Once upon a time, there was a king named Solomon. And Solomon built a magnificent temple for the Lord's presence to dwell with his people. Solomon prospered. Uh, The people under his reign prospered. He was wise. He was good. But his desire for women led him to marry 700 women and keep 300 concubines. The man had a problem. And all God's people said, amen. But his biggest problem was that his heart was divided in his love for God. He and the people under his rule started to worship other gods, other gods that many of his wives brought with them to the land of Israel. This problem continued after Solomon's death until it got so bad that God allowed the Babylonians to attack Judah, destroy all of Jerusalem, and also the temple that Solomon had built. The people of Judah were carried off into slavery and captivity, and they were in captivity for 70 years before they were allowed back home to Jerusalem. When God's people were finally allowed to return, 70 years is a long time. Don't don't lose the immensity of that. 50,000 people went back to their homeland. That's how many people were captive in another nation. Not many of them would have remembered even what the days of old had looked like. The Babylonians had done their best to erase the Jewish cultural identity, their worship, their education, but God always preserved a remnant of people that remembered the covenant that he made with them. So they go back. They had dreamed of rebuilding the temple, rebuilding their homes, and being God's people once again. And when they return, they quickly build the foundations of the Lord's temple and the altar. But the Samaritans oppose them, and they stop the work on rebuilding the temple. And then for the next 14 years, instead of building God's house, the people of God built their houses. When they were in captivity, they dreamed of rebuilding the temple, of recapturing the glory of days gone by. They dreamed of being back in God's favor. The temple's rebuilding represented all of that and more. Without the temple, their identity as a nation, as the people of God, was still in ruins. Have you ever messed up in life so bad that you didn't think there was any hope of getting back, of recovering what you had lost. Maybe you were caught in a lie and you didn't think it was possible to rebuild trust with someone again. Maybe you did something wrong on the job and you didn't think you would ever regain a career. Maybe you made some bad financial decisions and you didn't think you would ever climb out of that debt. Maybe your freshman year of college, you absolutely bombed that and felt like your entire future was in jeopardy. Many people, not all, have points in their lives when they fear that they have messed up too bad, that there is no way back, there is no hope. 
That's where the people of God have been for 70 years, in exile, away from their land, away from their God. Oh, the prophets told them the day would come when they would get to go home. But 70 years is a long time to be in captivity. And now the miraculous has happened. They were going home. But at the first sign of trouble, they gave up rebuilding the temple. Instead of building God's house, they spent 14 years building their own houses. And they forgot about building God's house. So God calls a prophet to bring his people back. And he is going to claim them again as his own. But the people of God are going to have to finish what they started. The prophet's name is Haggai. And that's the basis uh, and the background for the series we're going to start this morning on the book of Haggai. And if you want to read it, it's in the Old Testament, just a few chapters in front of Matthew, which kicks off the New Testament. It's an easy read. There are only two chapters in the book of Haggai. Uh, it is one of the shortest books in the entire Bible. And we're going to start near the beginning this morning at Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Now, what's kind of funny, almost ironic about that beginning scripture there is that God refers to the Israelites as these people. All throughout scripture, God refers to the people that he has chosen as my people. This is kind of like when your son or your daughter does something bad and your wife says, your son did this or your daughter did that. It's like God's not married. So instead of saying, well, your people, God says, these people. You, you always know in scripture when God is frustrated with his people because he doesn't claim them as his own. He says, these people said these things. He is disappointed because they haven't seen the project of rebuilding the temple through. And it's not that God needed a place to stay. He hasn't been living on the streets. The problem is these people encountered some resistance to the work of God and decided it wasn't God's will at the current time that they rebuild the temple. But the temple was their center of worship. It was important to how they related to God. It was critical to their being right with God and their identity as his children. So when they returned and just gave up, it threatened to set in stone all the work the Babylonians had done to remove their identity, to remove their worship. I believe there is a God lesson to be learned even in this situation. Just because life gets difficult, does not mean you are on the wrong path. You see, the people of God discerned that because life got difficult, it must not be God's will for us to build the temple right now. Not so much. Maybe when life gets difficult for us, the more likely reason is you're facing spiritual opposition. Especially when you're, when you're doing what God led you to do. 
when you're trying to do what's right, when you're acting in a godly way. Don't assume just because it gets hard that it wasn't God's will in the first place. Don't quit. Now, if you're sinning and you face opposition or life starts to blow up, maybe you should stop. That, that kind of makes sense. But if you're following God's lead, if you have this sense that he's calling you to something, don't give up. A good prayer to pray when life starts to get hard is Jesus help me to choose the hard right, not the easy wrong. Help me to choose the hard right instead of the easy wrong. Holy Spirit, help me. Help me see this through. Help me not give up just because it's difficult. It's easy to stop. It's easy to stop. It's easy to stop and even instead of trying to please God, to please ourselves. It's easier to hold a grudge than offer forgiveness. It's easier to keep spending money and going deeper into debt than doing without the things that you want. It's hard to be disciplined and live beneath your means so you can be generous with God and others. Years ago, when I took martial arts, my instructor used to say this to us over and over and over again as we worked and worked and worked towards gaining our black belt. He used to say, everything that is worth, working, worth having is worth working for. Everything worth having is worth working for. It doesn't matter if it's an object or an accomplishment or your integrity. Everything worth having is worth working for. As Jesus followers, we are called to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. It's work. But everything worth having is worth working for. The prophet tells the people of God that it's time to get to work. He says, you've got some unfinished business and you chose the easy wrong over the hard right. And God spoke through the prophet and said, you are going to see this through. And I wonder this morning how many of us are in a similar situation. Think for a moment. How many of us have unfinished business, an unfinished assignment, an unfinished character flaw that needs worked on that we stopped because it just got hard? Is there an unfinished assignment that you have from God? It could have come yesterday, a month ago, or 14 years ago. I don't need you to raise your hands, but how many of you remember putting something off because it just got hard? Maybe God wanted you to reach out to someone and share your faith, and you didn't because it thought it would be embarrassing. Maybe God wanted you to work on honoring him with your body in some way. Maybe some unhealthy habits needed to go, and you needed to learn some new ones, but it was difficult, so you just chose the easier path. Maybe God nudged you to serve somewhere at church, but you chickened out. I don't know what it could be, but there was a burden on your heart. He was speaking and you just didn't see it through. Again, I don't need a show of hands, but I, I want you to hear the rest of this message through that 
lens of that unfinished work or assignment that God may have given you. Because uh, I think God will speak the same words he spoke to his people, and I think he will say the time is now to finish it. I want to keep reading in Haggai chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. We're going to see this phrase all throughout the book of Haggai. Give careful thought to your ways. And what God is saying here is, my people, you have been living high on the hog while my house sits in ruins. You've got your granite top countertops and the crown molding and the big screen TV, but my house is just a foundation. Now, don't read into this too far. It is not that God doesn't want us to have nice things. It's that God doesn't want nice things to have his people. He, he wants our priorities in the right order. God first. That's not where the people of God are at in this day. That's not where the people of God's spending habits proclaim they are at. His house is a foundation with an altar. They're living in paneled houses. In other words, they did the minimum just to get by at God's house, and they spared no expense at their own. So God says, give careful thought to your ways. Be careful of putting your wishes, your desires ahead of my commands. That's what Haggai is saying. Whose will are the people really doing? Theirs? or God's. They've dreamed of this moment. They were in captivity for 70 years. They're now back. And as soon as things get hard, they're taking care of their own needs, not God's. Haggai's challenge is choose the hard right over the easy wrong. When we get sucked into taking care of ourselves first and putting the things of God second, there are consequences. Haggai spells it out for the Israelites in verse six. Look at these words. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. The modern translation of that would be, you are never satisfied trying to please yourself with stuff. You're working, but you're tired and your money is just burning a hole in your pocket. Does that strike anybody as profound to me? Think about how many years ago this was written. It amazes me. This was written thousands of years ago and it still describes the human heart and the easy wrong that we are tempted to take instead of the hard right even today. I think Haggai would say, listen, you're, you're working your tail off. You're so busy. You're slaving away at your job that doesn't satisfy you. you. You have more than your parents did at their age when they were, who's, who's happier? Who, who was more satisfied? Why do you think you struggle with this insatiable longing? 
Is there unfinished business? Do your priorities need to be rearranged? Are you putting your dreams ahead of God's plans? This is a really, really tough word if we take it seriously. But Haggai gives us all hope. Look at verses seven and eight. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful attention to your ways. There it is again. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains. Bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. I I love this because God's word of hope is really, really practical. God gives the people of God an action plan. Listen, sometimes when you have unfinished business with God, it can feel like the journey back to being in God's favor is absolutely impossible. People say, well, you know, I just don't feel good enough. I've tried before and I've failed. I see all the hurdles and the obstacles and the distance for where I'm at and where God wants me to be is so far. Oh my goodness, I'll never get there. And God breaks this down for his people and for you and me. He says, here's what I want you to do. Number one, go up into the mountains. Number two, get some timber and bring it down the mountain. And number three, build my house. I find that awesome. God is so good. We, we see this insurmountable distance. We've failed. We've, we've, the journey back. We have this unfinished assignment. And God says, let me give you an action plan. Let me, let me break it down and make it easy. Because you're complicating this way too much. Too many of us say, well, God, what about steps four, five, and six? It can't be that simple. Who's going to pay for this? How long is this going to take? I don't know if I have the time. We get distracted. And I think God is saying, listen, don't worry about it. Do steps one, two, and three, and I'll take care of the rest. We'll get to steps four, five, and six later. Just start with step one. If you want to be healthier, start eating better. If you want to get out of debt, spend less. If you want to improve your marriage, humble yourself and apologize for your part of the problem. See, you you can always do steps two, three, and four later, but you have to start with step one. I love God's plan. Go up to the mountain, cut down some timber, and build my house. That's what it means to walk by faith. God is not going to show you every single step in the journey. If you want to make progress, if you have unvisioned fitness on anything that God has called you to do, you have to start with step number one. Quit talking and start doing. Go up to the mountain today. Be faithful today. Take the next step today. Don't... (laughs) Don't miss how absolutely profound this is. You have no idea the blessings of God on the other side of your obedience. Let me also say this. If your unfinished business is reconciling with another person that has hurt you, I know this scares you to death. 
finishing this and offering forgiveness isn't saying that what that person did was right. It's about not letting them continue to hurt you through bitterness and unforgiveness that's in your heart. What if they don't respond? What if they get defensive? You are not responsible for their outcome. Your job is obedience to the voice of God. The outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. Whatever the unfinished business might be in your life this morning, whatever it is in my life, all of us need to choose the hard right over the easy wrong. And the time is now, and it starts with step number one. Go up to the mountains. Yeah, it's a mountain, and you need to climb it. But we need to take the first step. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are present with us, even for the journeys up the mountain. And that your word is living and active, and God would give you thanks. We thank you that this story happened 500 years before the birth of Jesus, and it is as true today as it was then. You still want your people to step out in faith and finish the work that you have called us to. And God, I know for some of us, that's going to be a difficult first step to take. But God, I pray that your spirit this morning would help us choose that hard right over the easy wrong. Holy Spirit, as we walk in faith, may your people experience uh, the joy of knowing that they are finishing the work that, that you called us to. And I thank you, Father, this morning that marriages are going to be transformed and that financial situations will change because of these first steps that are taken today. Thank you, Jesus, that, that people will experience a, a wholeness instead of an emptiness as they obey you. God, make it so. And Lord, if there is anyone here that has never given their heart to you, who has chose to make you their savior and their Lord. I pray in their own heart that they would pray the prayer that is on the screen this morning. Heavenly Father, today I give you my life. Jesus, be my savior and Lord, forgive me of all my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I can serve you and follow you with all of my heart the rest of my life. Jesus, my life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.